0: Hey, I'm excited. Uh, we're gonna kind of get going here today. We started last week, thanks to Dick uh, Greenlee's good information, and, and we talked about First John. So, if you want to turn in your Bibles to First John, we're gonna start today. We're gonna begin this process. We gave you the outline of the entire. Oh, thank you, Daryl. We gave you the outline of the entire book. That really, First uh, John, chapter one, uh, beginning at verse five, up to chapter two, is that. Well, let me let me. Back up that, that the basic theme this would be a good test question. the basic theme or idea of first John we said is what? We failed, Dick. <laughs> yeah, we failed. I'm going back to Colorado. <laughs> what What is the basic theme of the God, of the book of First John? That yeah, that we would have confidence to know that we have eternal life. First John 5, 13, John establishes, he has this unusual habit, I said, of identifying his theme or purpose. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he said, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. In John 20, his gospel, John 20, 31, he said, I have written these things that you might be, uh, believe in Jesus Christ and in believing have life in his name. So he has this unique habit of kind of indicating... Uh, he's not hiding it he's saying this is why i've written this this is why i've done this and so the theme we're working on throughout the gospel or throughout the first, throughout 1 John is this how can we have confidence how can we know that we have eternal life now when dick ended last week i mean that's a pretty important thing when you think about the lives of these men and people and women who gave their lives in martyrdom because of their belief in this thing you know, he talked about Father Bilbo, uh, talked about uh, other uh, Christians, all the early followers of Jesus, except for this guy, John, were martyred. Uh, and so having this confidence that we have eternal life is no small thing. Uh, it has real practical implications on our lives. <clears throat> on if we know, if we have the confidence that we have eternal life, then we can sustain, be sustained in difficulty and trouble and even persecution, even, even sorrow. Uh, Even when our faith is tested and tried uh, by uh, difficulty. And so we want to keep that theme in your mind, okay? That the basic theme or basic idea of 1 John is that so you would know. Go go look at it again. It's 1 John 5, 13. I've written these things that you might know that you have eternal life. Now, let me back up again and say this. Why, Why would he say that or write that? Well, it's one possibility. He just wants to affirm it. He just wants to say, I'm telling you this is why, here's why I'm doing this. I'm just going to affirm that you can know. But I have a hunch, and I think some of the passages throughout Scripture may indicate this, is that he's also writing to people to whom that confidence is not automatic. So I think sometimes we think that most of the things in the Christian life are automatic. If confidence that you have eternal life is automatic, there's no reason to write it, Right? He said, I'm writing these things to you that you might know. (laughs) I've often said to my students that that if the Christian life was automatic, there would be absolutely no reason for the epistles. Because the epistles are written to real churches who have real problems and trying to work out what does that faith in Jesus Christ look like. If, If faith in Jesus Christ was automatic, we were all sweet, all kind, all nice. If we suddenly all just walked by the Spirit automatically, there would be no reason for the epistles, Right? Paul is having to bring correction and guidance and understanding, and so if he's saying I'm writing this so you'll know, it's possible, it's likely that there are people who don't have that confidence, and John's writing to say here's how you can have that kind of confidence. I think there are a lot of people like that. Do you do you think there are people that you know if you 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 talk to them about the confidence level that they have about having eternal life or or being in Christ? There's sometimes people have doubts, concerns. Huh? Yeah, right here in this class. Yeah. Right this class. yeah. I, I, I talked last week. I said, you know, I, I read a, a, an article. A, a, the book I re- referred to last week is called the, um, the Marrow Controversy, which was the Scottish divines. Uh, I would like to be a divine, wouldn't you? Back then, they called people that did theology divines. I, if you want to start calling me that, that that's all right. Yeah. I'm I'm actually Scotch-Irish, so you can call me either Scotch or Irish divine. Either one is good with me. Yeah. But they called theologians back then divines, and they were discussing and attempting to understand that it's called the marrow controversy, where what is the marrow of the gospel? And one of the statements was in there that those who lack assurance sometimes or confidence are of the melancholic temperament. One of the chapters is no theology without psychology. I like that. That, that the melancholic uh, personality says often can't enjoy a, a con, a sustained confidence, maybe in and out, up and down, around and about, but the melancholic can't, can't enjoy sustained confidence over long periods of time. They, it just kind of comes and goes. And, and Boston and Peter Kreft, who's ad- editing it, says Boston says the, the melancholic can often not enjoy that because the melancholic often can't enjoy anything. <laughs> Right? You with me? Any melancholics in here? <laughs> you know, you mow your yard and you look at it and go, I could have done better. Right? So, so John is writing this, I think, for not only a theological problem or concern. He wants them to have the right theology. I think there's a pastoral concern here. There's a, he's, a, he's a pastor of a church in Ephesus. And I think there's a pastoral concern to say, I want you to, I'm writing this so you'll know. So you have some confidence. So as Dick and I talked about this, we discussed it, we thought, man, in our day and time with the struggles and strains, don't we want to help people know that they have eternal life? Don't we want to have some sense in which we can have some confidence and not our feelings and even experiences in life? So, so, that's what, now, so now the outline we said was in 1 John 1.5. That was not even in my notes, so <laughs> you know we're going to be here a while. <clears throat> 1 John 1.5 to 2.29 is we have confidence as we live in the light. That language is often re- for re- repetition there. And then the second one is we have confidence of eternal life in 3.1 to 5.12 uh, because uh, we live as children of God. We're his children, We're his kids said, see what love the father has given us that we should be called the children of God As such we are. So those two big, big kind of breakouts is where we'll be working. So today we're going to look at the introduction. I always tell my students, don't, don't, don't ever, you know, a lot of times we read a book, you need to read the introduction first. It sort of sets out some details. So I'm going to read it here for us and we'll follow along here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning and what we've heard and what we've seen with our eyes, and that which we've looked on and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, I just want you to notice something here, just, just in your Bible. Now, I'm reading New American Standard, and I believe ESV translates this relative pronoun, that, which we have. That, that which, isn't it? That which is from the beginning. That which we've seen. That which we Yeah, yeah it's, it's a little bit. Of, it's, a, it's a relative pronoun. It can be translated that or which. But notice the, 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 the loading it up there. That which was from the beginning, that which we've heard, that which we've seen with our eyes, that which we have looked with and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we've seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. What are that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you so that our joy might be made complete. I want to work this out here just for a bit under this topic or this heading of this idea of initial details. Initial details. Uh, I want you to notice it's it's an unusual uh language construction here uh again new american standard says what was from the beginning what we heard what we've seen with our eyes what we've touched with our hands concerning the word life those are a bunch of relative pronouns and generally uh, sentences don't start like that but let, let me give you an example actually i said i wrote this down today um in oklahoma city the other day it finally happened it had to happen eventually um it was going to happen, and we all knew it. And it happened just like we thought. Now, what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a little tension in my reader. Because as I'm using this indefinite pronoun, it, what are you thinking? What, you what is it? <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, it, 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 it finally happened. I, I knew it would happen. It, it had to happen. It, it certainly was going to happen. We all knew it would happen. Now, I'm creating tension or to say, well, get to it, Cliff. By the way, I'll finish this. It had to happen. It finally happened. We knew it would happen. It was going to happen that a person carjacked a car the other day and got caught because they couldn't drive a standard transmission. <laughs> it actually happened here. Did we know that was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, we knew it would happen. It happened just the other day here in Oklahoma City. Now, now John is doing something similar to this. That... Which is from the beginning? What are you talking about, John? That which we've heard and which we've seen with our eyes and which, that which we've touched with our own hands. Get to it, John. What is it? Concerning the word of life. Now, I want to unpack this here a bit and, and look how John is trying to create some tension in, a, in the reader, a little disturbance to say, okay, get to it. What are we talking about here? And and I want to begin with this uh, first notion. This is going to be pretty simple. Is a confidence, these initial details, is a confidence of eternal life is based in the eternal. Our confidence in eternal life is based, notice what it says here. What are that which was from the beginning? Now, if you have any idea of John's work, uh, you'll know that this idea of the beginning, it's a Greek word that uh, uh, just means beginning or from that point, that John has this tendency to start his letters with that which is from the beginning. Remember the Gospel of John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so John begins this by saying, look, you need to understand that this confidence that you can have about eternal life is, if you will, it's based in the eternal. Watch here. That which was from the beginning. Now, he's going to get to what what he's making statements about that. But it was from the beginning here. Not created. Not something that is a a, a creation. But from the very beginning. I wrote in my notes here some thoughts that I had as I was kind of working through that. Uh, This is not uh, some uh, fiction. But this is something that happens that comes from the other world of the eternal world into our world. Now, I will be honest with you and tell you that this phrase, in, from the beginning, in the, beginning uh, the church had some real problems with this early on. There was a guy named Arius. Uh, don't recommend you read him. Uh, he was a heretic. And um, not like a deer tick, but a heretic. Uh, <clears throat> but twice as dangerous. Uh, um, so, uh, it, 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 the, their, their observation or thought was that Jesus was a created being. Because they were at the beginning, RK is the is the Greek term they, that Jesus was a created being, and it and it rocked the church for some time, uh, and Arius was finally put aside as a heretic because of First John one one or First John one one and John one that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and I love the way John phrases this in in the Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, and the Word was. It says, Pros-tante-u, which means this, they were face to face. The word with God was face to face. From that prologue and that understanding, we understand that this confidence, this eternal life that we're experiencing begins with the eternal, that which was from the beginning. Now that's important. You'll notice uh, as we read through this book couple of things that are probably rotating here is there's a couple of groups in this church or that John is attempting to address that deny the divinity of Jesus. In fact uh, you can notice here in a couple of places look over here in chapter 222 go, go a ahead, little ahead in 222 by... in 222 yes amen <laughs> I just heard that I like that, the New American Standard. Uh, 2.22 said, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Messiah, the anointed one? That, that word there, Christ, is the Hebrew word, or from the Hebrew word, or from the Greek word, but from the Hebrew idea of Mashiach, the anointed one, the, 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 the Messiah. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, the one who confesses the Son has the Father. Has the Father. So, so there's, there's an attempt here that John is trying to suggest that this whole matter of confidence is eternal in its basis. You can read four, two, 4:14 and 15, five one and five, six. that this concern over the divinity of Jesus, that He is God, He is divine, is threaded throughout this book. Because again, this confidence that we have, that we have eternal life, must come from the eternal one. The confidence that we have is that it comes from the eternal one. Now, just a couple of thoughts here because I want to move on here quickly. Um, I think sometimes that our view of eternal life, or our view of any of these matters, is too much uh, based in us. I, I had a professor say to me in college one time, our seminary he said this, what you guys need to understand is the Bible's not about you. And I went, come on, I'm paying money for this. <laughs> he said, no, the Bible really is about God and what he has done. And I thought, hmm, that, that, that makes some sense that the Bible isn't just some self-help book for me. It isn't just some way to kind of navigate the challenges of life and feel better. It really is a testimony about who God is and what he's done and how he's operated. I told you in the in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, first 11 chapters, there are no commands in there. There's nothing for you to do. There's nothing for you, to, you know, to do. It's all about what God has done in Christ. It's only when you get to chapter 12 do you have anything to do. And that's just 12, 13, 14, and 15. That's pretty good news, I think, isn't it? That the gospel or this eternal life is about what God has done. And so he says, that which is from God. The beginning. So I I just want to establish this idea for your mind. If you have more concerns, we can can do that. Second of all here, the confidence in eternal life is manifest in the physical. Look here. The language here that, that John uses, that which is from the beginning, that which is eternal, then moves on. What we've heard, what we've seen with our own eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. Verse 2, and the life was manifest, and we've seen and testified and proclaimed the eternal life which was with the Father. What we've seen and heard, we proclaim. So it, it, it looks like what John is saying there's some evidence here, an evidentiary finding. The language here is there's something real. The word manifest here, you see it a couple of times there, means to appear, it means to come to light. There's some thought that this term, the Greek term, really means it's kind of like when you turn a light on, like phosphorus. It comes from that that uh, word group. It's kind of like God turns the lights on and says, "Look here." And so, so He says here, this life or, or this this one, this life has been manifest and made real in the world. And this again comes back to that Jesus isn't just a phantom. He isn't just an image of your imagination. There was an entire group uh, uh, back then called the Docetics. Uh, they didn't have a big church. didn't last long. <laughs> but they believed Jesus was just a phantom, a kind of an imaginary figure that kind of just when he walked on the, uh, the uh, uh, land, he didn't leave footprints. That's why he could walk on water, because he didn't walk on anything. He was a hovercraft, you know, just kind of everywhere he went. <laughs> and again, I mean, these, these are real struggles for people in this time to say that, well, Jesus was a good guy. The docetics would say, well, he's a good guy, but, but he's a phantom. And, 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 and so John says, no, this, this life was manifest. Now, Dick and I talked about this because I feel a little jealous here. What would it have been like to have heard Jesus talk? That, 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 that this confidence that he has is because he heard what would it have been like to said? I mean, this, this, this I'm using my religious imagination here. Touched with our hands. Here, here, John says, "Hey, listen. This is no phantom here. This is your confidence is is rooted here in the physical. This, this one from the beginning, the eternal one. We touched him. We saw him. We we heard him with our own ears." This one who was the life, the life was made manifest and we've seen and testify to that. I told Dick, what we were talking about, I said, I'm kind of jealous, <laughs> kind of jealous. And yet I wonder sometimes if in our own, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about we kind of wrestle as Christians between mysticism. You know, I feel like the Lord said this to me. You hear people, you know, I feel like the Lord said that I, I've had so many of those. It's just like, I can't keep count of them. Um. And so sometimes I've sort of drifted away from being very mystical, you know. It's what the Word says, and I, and I, I know that. Uh, but I, I drift over here to rationalism to where, again, it's just the thought and the idea and have I got it all figured out? It is, does it line up with my theology? But I wonder, uh, as I read the New Testament, and as I see those uh, early followers, have we sort of... Forgotten about or denied that, that Jesus can make himself real to us. Can he still do that? Yeah. In 38 years, the common thread that I hear as a pastor is uh, it would have been better if I had been there. Ah. But yeah. Yeah. And Jesus said, It's your advantage I go away. <laughs> Yeah. When we have the yeah, yeah. That's right. And what people do is they Yeah. Neutralize the authority of Yeah. And the authority if, of, of experience. And experience Yeah. And bitter, yeah. Or right. Or yeah. And there's no need to have any Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I, and I think you know, what we're talking about, when we have the word. Bonhoeffer used to talk about that Christ is in the word. He, he is the word for us. He is the word. Uh, right, not, not hidden in there. But, but the idea of can Jesus Christ, and again, I, this is a this is thorny area for me. Because everybody wants everybody else's experience. Everybody else wants to have some mystical event. But I've just, I've just been kind of working through this and just saying, well, Lord, as I read your word, I believe you're there. I, you know, you, 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 you've, you've made yourself clear here. Your spirit takes the word and makes it real. But have you had those experiences where you knew or we had a, an understanding that the word of God, as we read Jesus testified to it in our own heart and our own life? Now, I, I feel a little jealous at times, like I say. So I'm not, I'm not trying to make an either or situation here. I'm simply saying that sometimes we get so locked in to a rationalistic approach that we forget the living word. The living, Jeff Sturt and I were just talking about this this morning as we were making our copies. He said, Cliff, do you think sometimes we're not careful? And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make a distinction here. I'm not saying they're different. I'm simply saying I'm trying to press us a little bit to say, is it possible that we need to be a little quieter, listen a little more, and allow the living word to take the written word and do something in our life that we need? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Be still and know I am God. So, so Dick and I, we talked about that. We said, you know, here we are. Uh, and as you, you mentioned, people say, well, I'm kind of jealous of them. I, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not jealous to the extent because I still believe Jesus said, it's to your advantage I go away. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. He's the inner witness of our life. So, so he says here, we, we've seen this. We, we've touched him. I'd just like to have you use your religious imagination here a little bit and just think about that. When we went to Israel a few years ago, we sat on the hill by the Sea of Capernaum, or in Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, and read the Sermon on the Mount. And that was an amazing moment to to think hearing those words ring out in that area. So, John wants to establish confidence in his readers. What he's declaring is something in physical terms. It's not some mystical or spiritual experience. He said, we've heard, we've seen, we've looked at, we've touched with our own hands, and we testify to this, testify to this matter. So I wanna hurry on. So here's what I wanna ask you to consider. Here we go. And this is related to what you just said. I said, what if you relied on the testimony of John and others and did not consult your feelings? How different would your confidence be? What What if you relied on the testimony of John? Instead of your feelings and said, hey, I'm going to rely on that. Now, now notice here, just, just for a moment, it says, who is it that heard this? Notice the pronouns there. See them? Who heard this? Who saw this? Who touched? We. Isn't that interesting? John did not say I, me, mine. He said we. The testimony of God's people, the, the, the early disciples, those followers of Jesus, We testify this to you. We experienced this. We had this matter. And I would just say this one one thing just in sort of uh, in in ending this. I think that, again, when we start pursuing just individual kind of experiences, that's where things can get off the rails. I think there is value in community for us to say uh, we, we want to experience the presence of Jesus. That's what we do on Sunday morning. That's what we do when we're in small groups. That's what we do together. And so this idea of, if you will, of our experience coming from the community, that we're together. So the third thing, I want to, this is where I want to spend some time here today. Our confidence of eternal life is experience in the essential. Our confidence of eternal life is experience in the essential. Now, threaded throughout here, <clears throat> look through this. When it says this, that which we've touched and we've seen and been manifest, what is it? that they've experienced, or what is it? Is the word of life. Notice here. The word of life. The life. The phrase occurs here in one, concerning the word of life, verse two, eternal life, it's there, and then the life. What's essential here? What's our confidence of eternal life is in the experience of the essential. I want to suggest the essential feature here is the matter of life, life, life. I've said on a different occasions here uh, that one of the things that I think that I missed uh, when I was a kid uh, growing up, and I've said this uh, on a couple of times, is that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Remember? Jesus came to make dead people alive. That's a critical distinction here. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. If that's the case, there are several religions that are doing a pretty good job making people better, making them maybe more moral. But Jesus came to make dead people alive. This idea, he said, we've seen the word of life and testified to you the life was manifest. And we've testified to you the eternal life with which the Father has been manifested to us. This would have changed my complete understanding of the Christian life some years ago. If I would have understood more clearly that what the issue here is, the essential issue of confidence, is do we have life? Do we have life? Think about it this way. I'm going to give you several passages here real quick. But Jesus said, and John recorded, right here. In John 3.16, what did he say we'd have if we believed? Eternal life. In John 5.38-40... In John 5, 38 to 40, Jesus says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But as these that testify about me, but you won't come to me that you might have life, right? John 6, 27, Jesus said, don't labor for the food that perishes, but labor for the food to eternal life. John 10, 10, I have come that you might have, what? Life. John eleven twenty five. 25. I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the idea that John is saying, your confidence and my confidence isn't in a decision or an idea, but a life. That we are... Ha- by our faith in Jesus Christ imbued with life. Now, I want to show you a verse here. Just, I want to kind of work around this. Uh, just go to your table of contents for a second and find the book of Galatians. This kind of, this, I remember reading this verse some years ago, and it just absolutely put this into my brain. In Galatians, it's page, chapter, page 1108 in my Bible. Three. Go to chapter 3. I'm jumping out of John just for a minute, but I just want you to have this for your own reading in the future. This idea about life. John is, or Paul is in chapter 3, verse 19, addressing the issue to the, his readers. Okay, if the law can't save us, if it can't, if it can't do this, why? So in verse 19, it just says this. Why the law then? It was added because of transgression having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now, a mediator is not one for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. This is what I want you to get here. For if a law had been given, which was able to what? Give life then righteousness would indeed be based on the law. You see that there? See, see the law's problem was it couldn't give what? Life. If, if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness or being right with God would have been on the law but the law can't bring life. That indicates, again, what is the gospel? What is Jesus? What is John saying? What is the need for people? Life. Life. And he says here, the life or the word of life has been manifest. I, 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 just, I just can't fail to help us understand, if I can here, that this matter of eternal life is the issue of confidence. That we have a life, not our own. It's eternal life is the distinguishing feature here. It's the crucial need for life here that if a law could give life, then being right with God would have been by the law. I don't know about you, but I read that some time ago. I tell you, that cracked the code for me right there to say, what is God trying to do to give confidence to you and to me? He's wanting to give us what? Life. Life, And so John here says, this life was manifested. Well, who's he talking about there? Jesus. This life was manifest. This life that Jesus brings and this life that Jesus offers and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, has been manifest. Now here's, here's a good and disturbing question. Charles Stanley said this uh, some years ago, so I'm kind of taking off of his idea that if eternal life isn't starting now (laughs) with the kind of life we're living now, what is it? (laughs) It's not just some destination. It's not just something that happens in the future, but happens now. That you might have life now. That we might experience life now. I've told you this before, my students. If eternal life is length, everybody's got it. Because everybody's going to live somewhere forever. Right? So eternal life is not a quantity of life. How long? Eternal life is a quality of life. A kind of life. A kind of life. So, so that this eternal life that's been manifested, this, this eternal life that we've been given, is this is the life that brings confidence that we have eternal life. I, I've told you in my own story a, a couple times how that when I was in seminary, I was banging around in some of this stuff and, and uh, trying to, to deal with some of the new thoughts that I was having. And I just said to God one day, just very openly. I mean, I, and I, you know, I was a very disciplined person. I was going to UPS working in the morning. I would go to class, and then I would have my devotions every day, like every good Christian, you know, in my little Toyota out by the East Stanley Jones School of Missions, you know, because you can't, you can't not have your devotions. God will do get you then, you know. So I didn't want that. I didn't want God get me. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm being very disciplined. Uh, I'm not living goofy ways. And I just said, hmm, I don't know there's anybody in here but me. I, I, I don't know that there's anybody in here but me. I mean, I live by a lot of discipline. I live by a lot of determination, you know. But I just began to ask, is there anybody in here but me? Is there, is there a life, an eternal life, a, a quality of life, a kind of life it comes from God. Now, Again, I, I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I remember, at least it seemed to me, okay, I'm not trying to make this a universal principle. I'm not trying to say this happens to everybody. But it seems to me I heard this. It's about time. <laughs> I don't know if that was God. I was the echo of my conscience or what. But I heard it. And I went, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, Becky and I were talking about this on our little trip. I didn't say anything to her about this because I didn't know anything happened. I just thought, well, you know, I just wonder if there's anybody there but me. Oh, okay, yeah. It's your inadequacy that creates your capacity for God to work in your life. Thanks. Yeah. I wish I had that in my notes. Yeah, yeah. Let me say it again. It's your inadequacy that creates your capacity for God to work in your life. As long as you're sufficient, as long as you're capable, as long as you're qualified, uh, well, you don't need God. So it's your inadequacy that creates your capacity for God to work in your life. And so, I, you know, I just was like thinking, huh, maybe, maybe there's more to this. I mean, again, I was a, I'm a moral, I was a moral person. You know, you go into seminary, you've got to be moral. Generally. Depending on whichever seminary you go to, right, Bill? Generally, you have to be moral. You don't have to dress well. I did meet some of the crummiest dressed people I ever met in my life in seminary. Uh, unlike... <coughs> Uh, Meg's father. That looks good. Huh? You were born in seminary? Oh, I thought you said you were born. We were. Yeah, but we were we were okay. We were doing okay. You know, we... Okay. So... Oh, you had hair. Yeah, there you go. We, we all pulled it out in seminary. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm running into this notion. Look, I, I mean, I'm running into that, that life. I've come to bring you life. Law can't bring life. I've come to you. are not bad, Cliff. Your problem is not you're bad. It's worse than that. You're dead. Think, think about that. You're, it's lots worse than being bad. You're dead. And here I was. So Becky reminded me on this trip we were at. She goes... I remember she said to me several weeks later, what happened to you in February? And I said, a lot of things. What, you got to get more specific than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, i got Dr. Trina, Dr. Bauer. These guys are killing me. Dr. Wong. Well, she just said, something happened to you. She said, you're, you're, you're just not the same person. And I said, is that good or bad? <laughs> that was my... She goes, no, it's good. Well, I, I just had to come to the realization that I was exhausted from my discipline and my effort and my work. And I'm a very disciplined person by nature. That didn't have anything to do spiritually at all. But I had to lean hard into that this is about life, Cliff. It's not about knowledge only. I mean, Knowledge is important. It's good. It's not just about knowing. It's about life. And so John says, the life, it's manifested. And we've testified to you about it. This life that Jesus brings, this life that he offers, when he says, I'm the life, I've given you life, you may, may have life, I am the resurrection of the life. All of these matters are the life that Jesus is and offers to us. And I'll say this to you. I, this is a cliffism, and it, 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 but I still think it's right. I've come to the point in my life that I believe that sin isn't just doing a bunch of goofy, dumb things. But sin is when I try to find life somewhere else other than Jesus. Think about it. It's called idolatry. I'm trying to find life in money. I'm trying to find my security and in money instead of God. doesn't mean you don't work and save. You guys know this. I mean, you're, you understand this. But sin is when I try to find life somewhere. And isn't that what sin tries to offer us? You'll have more fun. You'll be enjoyable. If you could just get married or if you could just get this thing or if you could get this job or if you could have this money or you could take this trip, you'll finally be happy. You'll finally be happy. And we all the time find out we're not because we were created for life, for the life of God. This is, again, one of my favorite thoughts. John Wesley said his favorite definition of the Christian life. This is the thing that rocked me was this, the life of God in the soul of man. Not just praying a prayer, not just signing a card. He actually got it from Philip Doddridge, who was a brilliant Puritan. But he said this, the life of God in the soul of man. So our confidence of eternal life is that we have life right now. We're experiencing a quality of life. We're experiencing a reality of life now that is explained only, if you will, by the person of Jesus. So here's my question for you and me. Are we living? Do we have that life? My practice has been... Over the years, is to, and I don't do it every day. Don't it's a bad thing to lie when you're teaching. <laughs> yeah, probably lose your voice or something or something. <laughs> but I have regularly started each day by by quoting John fifteen five. I am the vine, you're the branch, and he who abides in me can only do a few things. Is that the way? (laughs) It's close. Yeah. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, isn't it funny? Because back to Pam's thought about this idea that your inadequacy creates your capacity. You you know, we, we know this. Get a terminal disease and find out if you can do nothing. Lose a career and see if you don't believe this now. Have the death of a loved one that has been the center of your life and see if you don't believe this. See, we we get insulated by life and we think we got enough life on our own, but it's just a matter of time till you're going to be forced. Or some, we already have, haven't we? Some, some of you said, hey, Cliff, I've been there and been back and got the T-shirt. <laughs> it's just a matter of time till you're convinced of this. I don't know where you are in your life that you need life, that I need life. It's just a matter of time. And again, some of you already experienced it, come out of it, and you'd say, I testify to this. But, but, but this idea of it, it's it's our need for life. So uh, John 15, 5. In the morning, okay, before I go to work, before I go to class, before I deal with these freshmen (laughs) who I remind them, I've forgotten more than you know, okay? (laughs) So be nice to me today, right? Or the job that you've been in for so many years, you got it figured out, you got all the answers. But do you need life to say Jesus today Apart from you, I can't do this. It might be raising grandkids. It might be raising kids. It might be trying to distinguish in a relationship. What about this relationship? Do we do this? Whatever. But something that says, I come to the point to say, I need the life, the life that was manifested. That's how we have confidence in eternal life because we're already experiencing it. Eternal life not something in the future. It's now as we lean in, as we, as we trust, as we depend on Jesus, that we're experiencing that life now. And then finally, the uh, essential nature of it. Notice what John says this. And we have, uh, verse 3, And what we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you, that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we've written so that your joy may be complete. We, we have confidence, I think, that we have eternal life because we experience it now, life now. That's what Jesus came to bring us. And we have confidence because we have fellowship with each other. Notice what he says. We, we, we've proclaimed this so you can have fellowship with us. You ever notice this? I don't know if this happens much in America, but, but you go overseas where sometimes followers of Jesus are maybe a minority, and all of a sudden you meet another Christian, and boom, it's like that. Right? Why? You know what we're doing? We're sharing life. Has anybody had that to them? Yeah, I know some of you travel And it's just like, okay, Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever. You know, bam, we've got that life. We have fellowship one with another. So the confidence, if you will, I would say some of this sense of confidence that we have eternal life is because we have that fellowship with each other. Now I'm going to be a little mean here for a second because I've been on vacation, so... (laughs) I think the devil does everything he can to keep us from having fellowship with each other. And he works hard to separate us and keep us apart. But I'm going to tell you, I believe if you're one of those followers of Jesus, you yearn for that kind of fellowship. You yearn for that kind of. I told Becky Band, we're coming back to church tomorrow. She goes, Do we have to? I said, Yeah, I have to teach. So we're coming. <laughs> we, we, we were out on this trip, but we said, We were talking. Besides Marty, he's not part of this, but yeah, sort of. I, I said, do you realize what a wonderful experience we have at our church and the fellowship we have with other people? Do you know what a gift that is, Beck? Do you know what a gift that is? And I'm just saying, I, I think one of the things that should give us confidence we have eternal life, we have life now. Do you yearn for that fellowship? you desire? Is that, is that, is that enriching to you? And then watch this. And these things we write to you so that our joy may be complete. The confidence is essential as this. We have the life. We experience it now. We desire the fellowship with other followers of Jesus. And notice here, joy is made complete. How? How does their joy in verse 4? How is, how, is how is their joy brought to completion? By sharing it. By sharing it. Look here. We write these things to you so that our joy, maybe the the word complete is a funny word I told Becky. It means to jam a net full. (laughs) Pack it. Pack it. Pack it in. That, That our confidence that we have eternal life is that when we share this with others, it brings what to us? Joy. A sense of joy. To share it. To be willing to give it. To be willing to tell others about this life that we experience. So I just want to suggest to you here that what John is trying to do is to say here, here, the confidence of eternal life is experienced in the eternal, it's manifest in the physical, and it's experienced in the essential. Life, life, life. So what does that mean, Cliff? Well, I think John, as he begins this, is trying to set the stage to ask us some questions. I'm going to ask him here. Is your relationship with God based And what he's done or what you do. Is your relationship with God based? I'm not talking about you don't have any part. I'm saying is your relationship with God based in what he has done? That which is from the beginning. That which is from the beginning. Also, have you or I, if you will, have you and I through the word of God, through the spirit of God, experienced this life? We can do that. We can do that by coming to the end of ourselves and saying, okay, I'm tired of playing this game. I'm tired of playing the religious routine. I want this life. To be as open and honest as we can. And just to say, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say, well, you know, I prayed this prayer when I was nine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into that. I don't have any categories for that. All I'm saying is if I come to the point or an understanding. I need life and I'm willing to open myself up to that and be willing to say this life was manifest and made known and it's come through Jesus. Or finally, do you have a hunger for fellowship with other followers of Jesus? Do you have a hunger, a desire to be with Him? You ought to celebrate that. You ought to rejoice in that. You ought to say, you know what? Later, John's going to say, we know that we passed from death into life because we love the brethren and the sisterin." Is that the right way to say that? Not the cistern. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I know that. I know that. But he says, we know we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren and the sisters. You, you should take comfort in that. You like being around God's... Not everybody. I understand that. I don't like being around all God's people. You know. Not all of them. Some of them are just weird. But, but there is this desire. So, so ask the question, do, should I take comfort in that, that, that my, my desire is to have fellowship? I have confidence that because I want to have fellowship with other followers of Jesus. Finally, um, how could it complete your joy if you shared with someone else this week not about four, and I don't want to be, I'm not talking about the four spiritual laws, and that's okay. Would it make your joy complete this week in a you know, bridge of life, whatever, if you just talk to someone in a, in a normal conversation, I'm not talking about getting weird, but to tell them how thankful you are for the life of Jesus. That you know he lives in you. He sometimes has a hard time getting out, but, right? But he lives in you. He's there. And that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have his life, which was your real need to begin with anyway. It wasn't your sin, it wasn't your bad behavior. Is that you needed someone to be able to come in and stand up inside of you? so that you would not pursue those other things that are not going to bring you life. Could you talk about that to somebody, just in a casual kind of way to say, you know, my life has been so much more meaningful when I got a life. (laughs) You you know, the kids say, get a life. Well, you got one. (laughs) So tell them about it. I got a life. Let's pray. This is bigger than us, Jesus Harder to handle, more difficult to manage, more real than we could have ever dreamed. And yet you want us to have confidence that we have eternal life. Because it's based in you, the eternal. Because it was manifest in your life here in the physical. And you want us to experience it as the essential truth of our daily lives. So we humble ourselves, we bring ourselves to you and ask that you remind us once again of these important truths. And that as we live this week, we could let you out. Let you out of our lives because you are our life. And we pray that you would guide us from error and from extreme And give us joy unspeakable and full of glory as we do this. In Jesus' strong name, amen.